the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. <clears throat> One of the people, one of the things that I have to do is I have to try to stay as smart as I can. So I always try to ask questions about financial issues. And let me give you an example. Um, why, why is CVS and Walgreens, what's the purpose at this point in time of drugstores? So why are they publicly traded? That's, that's the question that I try to ask. What is makes this company special? Walgreens reportedly is looking to go private because there isn't really a reason for them to remain relevant. They really haven't figured out the front side of their store. Chains like CVS and Walgreens have a front side and a back side because they have the pharmacy in the back. So you see where I'm going now with that. Now, this is a year where I really saw that my healthcare provider they do telemedicine now. Like I can say, oh, duh, I'm not feeling so good. And I can get on a video call with him. And he's like, well, you don't have a flu. It sounds like you just need more sleep. Here's some sleeping pills. So things are changing in that doctor-patient relationship. And Walgreens is looking to go private basically because their retail business is getting encroached upon. And I'll be quite serious. I can't figure out why they have it. I know on occasion you have to run out and get milk, but there's a 7-Eleven like two blocks away from your CVS or your Walgreens. I know sometimes you have to run out and get beer. You see where I'm going? There's plenty of people who can provide that service. So CVS and Walgreens are figuring out how do we have a new identity? How do we convince shoppers to come into our stores? When I go into a CVS, it's just... Maybe I need makeup or something like the day of. Or maybe I need Halloween candy the day of. But shoppers are considering Amazon and telehealth services more so than ever before to get their prescriptions delivered. I saw the UPS announced that they had a drone that delivered prescriptions. So the idea of owning a CVS or a Walgreens stock doesn't make sense to me. If you're looking for household goods... You get way better deals on Amazon or Target or Walmart. So CVS and Walgreens doesn't make sense to me, and therefore I, I stay away from it. I think the biggest challenge right now that the drug retailers face is that a large portion of sales are not only from medications, but also from sales of snacks, magazines, and other consumables. Uh, it's kind of like a glorified gas station, in my opinion. I know you're saying you're being hard. 
Walgreens is trying to get customers in any way, shape, or form. Talking about being healthier and, and well, more wellness. They announced a deal last week with Jenny Craig to open up 100 of its shopping shops, selling its products to Walgreens. So Jenny Craig is setting up miniature stores inside of Walgreens. Huh. That doesn't seem relevant to me. It also has an ongoing partnership with Kroger to carry more of the grocery chain's private label products and meal kits within stores. Walgreens' partnership with Birchbox this year is, again, partnerships are trying to drive a significant portion of meaningful revenue. And I just don't feel Walgreens or CVS fit much right now. Let's squeeze in a caller. Don't know your name. Randy, how are you? I'm good, Rob. How are you? I'm okay. What's up? Um, I just had a quick question. I know in your first segment you're talking about AT&T in particular as a potential income generation stock. I just uh-huh. want to get your take on how you feel about AT&T given the current involvement from Elliott as a whole for long-term capital, let's just say uh, preservation, but while currently enjoying the dividend on it. I think you've summed it up pretty well. So it doesn't have a lot of growth in it, and thanks for the call. Um, Their next earnings report comes, I want to say, in January. But again, just so you know, I own AT&T just for income. I don't expect any growth out of it. And I don't know what they're going to do with Time Warner, because it it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, They haven't integrated it well enough. It's probably the best way of saying that. Um, taking a look at some issues with AT&T, the, their Warner Media has announced that HBO will be streaming services sometime in early 2020, May 2020, at 15 bucks a month. So HBO Max is their over-the-top service, and maybe they need to spin HBO Max off or Time Warner off. 15 bucks compared with six bucks or seven bucks for Disney Plus. Oh, I don't get it. So they're a player for sure with the streaming services being launched, obviously, by Apple and Disney and AT&T's Time Warner's, as well as Comcast has one. Comcast has a over-the-top service streaming service called Peacock. Ooh, that's a lot to say. Um, so I don't know if I answered your question correctly. Just looking at their numbers recently, I remember that they reported pretty good third-quarter numbers. Um. They announced shareholder value creation plan that was tied towards, like you said, uh, activist investor Elliott Management. When you said that, I cringed a little bit because I wouldn't own a company just because it has an activist smelling around it. But it, it can't hurt at this point in time that they're trying to unlock value. So I don't really have a good answer for you. Uh, the company has a billion dollars in cash, so they're able to like manage their debt pretty well. Shareholders should expect more buybacks. So a little deleveraging of their balance sheet would be nice, too. WarnerMedia has agreed to uh, take a minority stake in Olay Communications. I can tell you in the 1990s, one of the big investment themes was Telemundo. And Americans were watching ABC, CBS, NBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox. And there's some 
people in America who only speak Spanish. And they kind of want to see their own voices, so to speak, on the on small screen. So HBO by an Ole Partners, Spanish-speaking Latin American Caribbean. Um, can't get super excited by it again. I don't. I just like it for the income, and I, I, I almost want to shut up and say that they've got plenty of cash. They get plenty of cash buyback, and when you're yielding at four to five to six percent, sometimes based on where the stock is. That's a pretty good rate of return. Um, but consult a broker advisor for taking action on the stocks mentioned. I guess I didn't really want to talk about AT&T is what it comes down to. Um, there was a recent Barron's article that said the streaming TV revolution will have winners and losers, and you'll want to play the stocks that way. Um, whether you're a fan of Bob Iger and Disney, Bob Backish and Viacom, a lot of people see the stock of CBS as the cheapest stock on the SP 500 as far as valuation goes. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about money, investing, and more. You can always find me um, online at Rob Black Show. Big seminar coming up on the 14th in Burlingame. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com and use code radio 24. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Dow hits all-time high after China says tariffs will be lifted slowly and at the same time, dollar for dollar. Making a little bit of headway there. I kind of told you that would happen, and I'm kind of happy it did. I, I'm not. I'm not partying because the market's at all-time highs. We kind of knew that when the China-U.S. trade deal kind of got close, that it was going to be a catalyst. And sure enough, markets at our all-time highs. Apple's at two fifty-nine seventy-one. Whoa, Boeing's higher. Uh, Beyond Meat lower today. It always surprises me on the, the list of winners and losers on what exactly is playing out. Speaking of playing out, there's a big event coming up on the 14th in Burlingame. It's going to be all about income and retirement and wealth preservation. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. Let's bring on CFP Chad Burton. Now, certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Chad, what's the process of putting together a retirement plan? It's got to be big. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that go into it, and there is, um, I think a lot of people approach it the wrong way. They almost lead with the idea of portfolio first. Okay. That's really not the way that you do it the right way. I mean, retirement is such a big issue. It's it's harder transition than becoming an ex- empty nester. In some cases, even going through a divorce because you're transitioning from feeding your life savings to drawing on it and having a limited resource. So the first step is gathering data. When we okay. sit down with people, it's, it's everything from expenses to estate plan to desires to... Oh boy, all sorts of things that you have to go through to say, what do you picture your life as in retirement? What's going to motivate you to get out of bed? So it really comes from the gathering data phase to almost the counseling phase. 
And we've walked through this process with people before and gotten to the point where they're like, wow, I don't know if I can or I'm, I'm willing or ready to retire. And they, they actually end up either um, practicing, taking longer vacations for a while until they figure out what they want to do. Um, to even doing some part-time work or changing careers because they realize they just don't have the hobbies or the motivation to get out of bed yet. Retirement is often a trial and error thing, too. Some people try it for a while and realize they don't like it quite yet, and they go do something different. Um, and then, So once you go through that process, that gathering the data, that counseling through the life change, um, and a lot of times, Rob, it's, it's different for a husband and wife. What they picture retirement as, they haven't talked about it. You think they would, but they're both working forty to sixty hours a week, so they haven't sat down and said, "What are we going to do together in retirement?" It's not, they, have an it's age. not that they haven't talked about it; it's that we stop hearing the wife after about twenty years. <laughs> you with me? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's push for the. You're not responding to me. Are you even listening to me? No, I'm just processing. Right? We're just processing. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. So the next step is once you do that, then you. Do some rough calculations to see if the person's even close to being able to retire. Okay. So again, a lot of people that are in the sales world of financial planning, selling products, selling annuities and garbage like that, um, they'll lead with the investment plan. But first you have to do really detailed calculations. And the initial ones are kind of rough calculations to see if somebody's even close to retirement. So before you pull that trigger, um, you know, a good financial advisor can tell pretty quickly if somebody's even close to having enough. You want to make sure somebody has enough money to last till their age 100 in liquid assets, because that's how long people are living now. And healthcare and science, technology, it's all coming together. People are going to be living longer and healthier. So you, you can't retire too early. Now, if you're close, then you go through the, in the process. The next step, we typically do Social Security maximization calculations, where we use... Uh, powerful software to, to run different scenarios on whether people are going to live a long time, a short time, uh, how it works in terms of the tricks in Social Security. You can't do this, the tricks that we could do a couple years ago, but you can still re- file restricted applications and still play a little bit off of each other's benefits to maximize Social Security income. It's a large part, usually 20 to 30% of a retiree's income, so you have to do careful planning with Social Security. And then you go through that income design process. Okay. And that says, okay, I have taxable accounts, I have Roth accounts, I have cash accounts. Which one am I going to pull from first? And once you do a, that, again, a rough income design, that allows me to finalize my three-year of safe money uh, equation for that person. And again, that's typically you take all of your needs, your expenses that, that you gathered in the data gathering process, and then you add in taxes and healthcare costs and all those desires in retirement, minus things like Social Security and pensions. And that is then your portfolio draw every year, and you need three years' worth of that in cash. And then once you get through that process, you rerun the projections with the plan distributions that you've come up with, and then you do a couple of planning uh, things on top of that that we can go into if we have time. Got about a minute. Uh, so, well, yeah, then you look at things like, do you do Roth conversions? So you want to fight the IRA tax trap. You want to consider your IRAs as a first source of either income or convert a little bit each year from the date of retirement to age 69 so that you can build up tax-free income. Um, and then once you agree on the approach, once everybody feels comfortable with the income design, the asset allocation, then you implement the plan. And then it's a matter of monitoring the plan, Rob. And, and for the first couple of years, that's a quarterly meeting to make sure that things are on track and that you're rebalancing the portfolio and taking the income they need. 
Good stuff. A retirement plan all about gathering data, counseling, calculations, maximizing Social Security, designing the income. A lot going on there. You can find out more by visiting newfocusfinancial.com at cfpchadburton at newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Big seminar coming up November 14th. That's one week from today. It is going to be all about income and wealth preservation in retirement years. Um, You can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com and use the code RADIO25 to get in for free if you've never been to an event. Um, There's a website that I really like. It's a YouTube media site, and it's ultimately called, what is it called when you search for it? Um, section nine. Is that what it's? Section four. Uh, for some reason, I'm. I took a Benadryl this morning. I'm a little bit groggy. Now watch me get in a car crash, and that audio comes back to haunt me. Talking about not saying things out loud. Whoa. So the, go to YouTube and search for section four. It's run by a guy named Scott Galloway. I think he does a really, really nice job of talking about businesses and companies uh, in this digital age. You can fi- sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Use code radio25 to get in for free. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. We're in the end of earnings season. The Dow, the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ all hit record levels after a report that China and the U.S. have agreed to cancel tariffs in stages. Moving in the right direction. Some of the headlines out there tell you what's happening in the world, right? The more information you have on the world, the better investor you are. The world's largest turbine maker company called Vestas, wind turbine maker, basically surging right now on record sales and record orders. That's probably the right way of saying that. Big ticket item, right? Um, they announced a 30% sales jump. That's good. Good for our planet, right? Aston Martin is swinging to a loss ahead of the make or break SUV launch. I there's so many stocks you can own. That's just one of them that like I will never own. Is the idea of owning a luxury car maker attractive? Not really to me. Is owning an Aston Martin being all James Bondish going to change my life? Probably not. Roku's earnings beat expectations, but the stock is plunging down 15 percent. Oh, what more can I say about Roku and Expedia also plunging today on an earnings miss and guidance cut? Roku's a hardware maker, right? They're all tied towards the streaming. I have a Roku. I'm not a big deal. I understand that. I think it's a good platform. Um, I think they get acquired. Remember how yesterday we were talking about all the various tech companies that should be acquired? Fitbit going to Google because Google can't compete with the Apple Watch. Sonos going to Apple, maybe, being acquired, because Apple can't really compete with what Amazon's doing with speakers or what Google's doing with speakers in the quote-unquote connected home. So I could see Apple buying Sonos. Roku, maybe Google. I was trying to think last night. This wasn't a good number. Stock's down 14%. We reported an adjusted third-quarter loss of $0.22 cents a share, better than the expectations of a loss of $0.28 cents a share, but still. The stock has had an amazing run, and you can't report. You got to do better than that. 
Wall Street's ultimately saying you got to do better than that. Now, Roku, for their part, is coming out and saying our business momentum and our competitive differentiation makes us an essential partner for content publishers and advertisers. There's a theory that Disney's uh, Disney Plus should get people to say, well, let's let's get let's go get a Roku so we can use Disney Plus. I there, I said it. So there's some plays out there, right? Roku shares have risen about 40% since the last reported earnings. Just kind of letting a little bit of steam out, in my opinion. I don't own shares Roku. I talk about it because I do think that there's um, a trend there. So Roku sells video streaming hardware and licenses its operating systems to TV makers. The technology enables consumers to watch content streamed over the Internet. China just uh, has a very controversial new practice. They're basically saying to their children and their youth, no video games after 10 p.m. Whoa, right? Only one and a half hour of video games per day. Now, companies like Activision Blizzard are saying, whoa, 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 what? So Activision Blizzard obviously stands to lose a little bit if China changes or curbs their usage of video games. BlizzCon. Have you ever been to a convention? BlizzCon is as important to the world of video games as the annual meeting at Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, where investor nerds get get together to talk with Berkshire Hathaway. If you own one share of his company, you're allowed to go to the annual meeting. People want to know right now about Blizzard on the Activision Blizzard side of the fence. The, The old Blizzard which is tied heavily towards BlizzCon, has some very, very popular franchises, including Overwatch, Diablo, and World of Warcraft, of which last year was a bit of a mess for Activision Blizzard. I do like their stock. I don't own their stock, but I do like their stock. And I think the ability, ultimately, um, to play games is something that's relaxing people. It takes away from our stress. So I think it's critical for the stock that you kind of link the two together. Blizzard made no major announcements at the event BlizzCon, which was held last weekend. I can't imagine going to Anaheim, Southern California, and going, you're on a plane from like the East Coast, and someone said, actually, what are you going to L.A. for? Well, I'm not actually going to L.A. I'm actually going to Anaheim because there's a big event going on. It's the video game event, right? I know you're saying, whoa. So that's actually something that could um, move a stock. Um, one of the things that briefing.com does really nicely is they, they show the conferences that are going on. And when you see BlizzCon in a Wall Street type of press release, you're like, whoa, video games are for real. During last year's BlizzCon, gamers lost their mind as the company announced a mobile version of Diablo rather than a full-fledged PC sequel. I'm not a loot box kind of guy and run around pretending to be an elf who can cast spells and drink potions. Not exactly my game. But last year there was a announcement of Diablo for the phone and gamers were pissed. Something about that makes me smile. 
Although another big story is happening in video games and in sports this year is the Hong Kong protests. People over profit is a phrase that's going around. Free Hong Kong. Interesting to note. I remember a couple years ago, Saudi Arabia was, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia was heavily implicated in the killing of a, a Western journalist. So all the, Saudi Arabia has like an investor con kind of thing where they get all the wealthy people around the world who want part of Saudi's money come to them and do a dog and pony show. Last year, everyone canceled. It was like, oh, your crown prince killed a journalist. We're, we're angry. <laughs> this year, every one of them went back. Ain't that something. So where the money flows out of Saudi Arabia, still a very important story, just like the billions of people in China. Very big story. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Big event coming up uh, one week from today. A couple Thursdays, or yeah, one week, seven days. It's going to be November 14th in Merlin game. You can sign up for the event by going to Rob Black Show, robblackshow.com. Use code radio25. Or Chad's got some really good blogs. Uh, he's having one of his CFP write blogs for him. A lot of good stuff there while you're getting the mega Roth backdoor mega blog. You can also sign up for the seminar. Anyhow, hopefully I see you out there June, uh, November 14th. June, what's wrong with me? So I, I alluded to this a little bit earlier today. Bill Gates, I kind of like. He's getting a lot of attention these days. So he has said, I'm not a big fan of Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax. But he's willing to have his mind changed, as is she. Bill Gates said, I've paid over $10 billion in taxes. <laughs> wow. Right? When you put it in that, in that perspective. And he said, if I had to pay $20 billion, it's fine. But when you say I should pay $100 billion, I'm trying to do the math there, and I have very little left over after that. You really want the incentive system to be there, and you can go a long ways without threatening it. So Bill Gates is like, not sparring, but he's interacting with Warren, uh, Elizabeth Warren on Twitter and kind of throwing down the challenge. And Elizabeth Warren, for her, you know, we're a long way from uh, Iowa. It's going to come up pretty fast, but we're in a, a horse race. It's it's a long stretch. So Bill Gates talked about Elizabeth Warren last night. She loves it. She loves it. So she tweets out, "I'm happy to meet with you. If we have different, even even if we have different views, Bill, if given the chance, I'll explain to you how much you'll pay under my wealth tax. I promise it's not a hundred billion dollars." So she's getting free press out of this. She's loving it. Bill Gates went on to not slam Jeff Bezos in space, Elon Musk in space travel. He's like, ah, nutrition on the planet's way worse than trying to figure out how to get off the planet. It's kind of interesting watching billionaires, A, being vilified by political candidates, but B, trash talk each other. J.P. Morgan Chase, CEO Jamie Dimon, Tufts University graduate has said of Elizabeth Warren's plans. She uses some pretty harsh words. You know, some would say vilifies successful people. So a lot of wealthy people like Leon Cooperman have been bouncing in front of CNBC this week to say, stop vilifying the billionaires. Okay. 
800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. More Americans are now saying that buying a home, this may be a bad time for it. And I was looking at some research yesterday, talking about, it basically was showing markets where it still makes sense because owning versus renting, maybe there's too many rentals in a certain market. But just 21% of Americans say now is a good time to buy a home. That's a drop from 28% in September. That's two months. In two months, we went from 28% saying now is a good time to buy to just 21%. Huh. Problem's priced, right? This one's pretty easy to tag. Affordability has weakened considerably since the surge of summer buying. Interesting. Big event coming up on the 14th, one week from today. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Big event coming up on the 14th, one week from today. Thursday, 6.30 to 8.30. Hilton by Doubletree and Burlingame. It's all about income and retirement. It's the last big event of the year. Come on out. Learn more at newfocusfinancial.com. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Chad, when should retirees talk or meet with advisors about tax planning? Because the, the year's almost over. Yep. Yeah. And everything that retirees need to do to really take advantage of the tax cut that occurred in 2017 is all has to be done before the end of the year. So we're talking about uh, you know being able to capitalize on the capital gains tax brackets, which is different from the ordinary income tax bracket. So looking at opportunities to trim some stock that you're overweight in at a very, very low rate under this tax code. People often think they can't do it because they're going to pay huge capital gains taxes and they don't realize how much of a window there is at a 0% capital gains rate. Um, Roth conversions, uh, checking on, you know, this is the time of year where people tend to give to their favorite charities okay. and whether they should be doing it if they're over 70 and a half from their required minimum distributions from their IRAs. Because you can now get rid of the tax hit on your required minimum distributions. You can give up to 100 grand to charity. Um, so that's the best way to give if you're over 70 and a half, or you might be giving individual stock, or you might not even be itemizing your deductions anymore, and you might need to set up a donor-advised fund. Um, so your gifting is really, really much different under this new tax code. And then finally, just, you know, what's a good idea for a Roth conversion? By this time of year, people know how much capital gains from selling stock or real estate they have, how much dividends and interest they ha- are going to have, what are some of the other tax issues? You can run projections, see where you are in the various tax brackets, and max out that bracket with um, a Roth conversion where you're effectively taking money from an IRA, moving it to a Roth, paying some taxes now at a rate you're always going to be at, and then saving and having tax-free growth in the future. So it all needs to be done before the end of the year and before really like mid-December where they go on vacation. I hear you on that. Um, let's talk about stocks and bonds are both up. End of the year, people trim their portfolios, they rebalance. It's They kind of start thinking about this kind of stuff. Since stocks and bonds are both up, what do you cut? There's no losers. There's winners. Well, I guess there's no right. that. Yep. Yeah, in certain areas, I mean, you got, you know, large cap, you know, bigger returns than, uh, say, small cap and emerging markets. Yep. Everything's up. But 
so you're going to trim there. So what's expensive? You know, momentum-based stocks are getting expensive. Stocks that really are growing revenue very quickly, but not profits very quickly because they're in that growth mode, that momentum mode. Wall Street's starting to change on that tune. Um, you saw it, you know, with all these IPOs that are coming out. So stocks are up, but you have to get a little bit more surgical and say, okay, what do I need to trim? What's a little bit more expensive than on the historical P.E. ratio? And some of those things are either like the momentum-based, you know, more tech-oriented stuff. Some of it's like the utility-based, people that are chasing yield with high dividends. Some of those stocks, consumer staples and utilities, um, and real estate or REITs have gotten a little bit expensive versus the yield, or the historical year yield. And then in, in the bond area, you know, it's kind of the longer-term bonds that have really, really rallied a lot with the idea of Fed's cutting rates. And so you might trim those bond funds that have what's called a higher duration. And you go to Mortonstar.com, put your bond fund in there, and look at, okay, which one has a higher duration? That's probably the one that has the most gain year-to-date, like 8%. It's a good idea to maybe trim that if you think the economy will move forward and we'll get out of the fears of recession, trade wars, and then just rates end up going back up. I tend to push people to rebalance versus trying to find the perfect thing to buy or sell, but I hear you. Um, we only have about two minutes left. What situation would be right for paying off a mortgage? Because the mortgage law deductions changed. Big time. Not only has the mortgage deductibility changed, because most people are now taking the standard deduction and they're not even writing off their interest anymore, interest rates are so low. I mean, if you're not at like 375 or below on your mortgage, you know, you, you kind of missed an opportunity to potentially refinance. You might want to look at that. But if you're sitting at 55 years old, you're going to retire in 10 years, and you're not getting much of a deduction from that mortgage anymore. And, you know, you're, you already have plenty of stocks, and you have some sort of a cash event, maybe inherited money, maybe you did stock option sale, uh, trimmed some of that, you know, company stock that you're overweight in, and you're saying, where do I invest this? And you're planning, you know, you're within that 10-year window of retirement, you're not writing it off anymore, pay it off and sleep easy at night. And then you'll have extra cash flow to be able to put more money into Roth IRAs, you know, that mega 401k Roth that's on the website blog you can read about. Um, so it's maybe funneling your money a little bit differently if you're not getting the tax deduction anymore. Sounds good. That's all the time we have for you today. People can find you in the mornings from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. here on AM 1220 KDOW. They can go to the website, newfocusfinancial.com, get a copy of the podcast, get a copy of the blog on the ultra, ultra mega Roth that you just mentioned, and also sign up for the event coming up one week from today, Thursday. It's going to be in Burlingame at the Hilton by Marriott. Uh, or the Marriott by Hilton is their way of saying that. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. There's a lot of good downloadables there. Spend a little bit of time, get to know your finances a little bit better. Sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com.